Hello and welcome to the Darling Farm and Homestead podcast, the podcast where I record in the spare bits of time about things that are happening on our homestead and what we are doing in our daily self-sufficiency journey. So what have we been up to on our little acreage? Um, Well, just this week I was able to finish um, another crocheted afghan. This will be the fourth one. that I've sold on Etsy and the sixth one that I have completed so far this year. Um, so that was a great accomplishment. I was really happy to see that that one shipped off and taking a small break from that. Um, the kids and I baked some Easter cookies. Uh, I spent a few hours in my little unheated greenhouse, did some potting up of some tomatoes and Some of them will make it and some of them won't as we're going to be having some low temperatures in the upper 20s. So some of those probably are going to succumb. Although I've had some some pepper plants out there for the last couple of weeks and I've kept them under cover, but they seem to survive quite well. It's always a gamble, but I figure I always plant, oh, I don't know, three times as many as I actually need. So if half of them don't make it, then that's just another half of them that I don't have to figure out where to put or to cull out. So we'll see what comes of that. Um, We also got around to boiling down our black walnut sap into syrup. That's always quite a project. The last couple of years though, my husband has started um, running them through a reverse osmosis filter, which does cut down on the time by a lot. I would say it probably shaves off, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 75% of the time that it would take to just strictly boil down. We don't have any fancy equipment or anything. We're not big producers of syrup by any means, uh, but we do produce enough to keep us in walnut syrup for the coming year. Um, in fact, I still have about a quart left from last year. I have discovered though, the miracle of a black walnut latte in the morning. Just a little bit of black walnut syrup and some milk and froth that up and add it with some coffee or some espresso and it is amazing. So that last quart from last year may not last too long. Over the weekend, I also was able to transition our baby chicks that we've had for nearly two weeks now. They've been in just kind of a a large plastic uh, brooder container, but recently they'd started flying out. So I put them in one of the quail cages where we keep quail in the wintertime in the basement. Um, And then I moved the quail that were in there into a separate quail cage. Um, so that's, that's always a sign that they're getting older, they're getting their real feathers in, they're starting to look like gangly little teenagers, um, but once they start hopping out, boy, they're well on their way, and I'm, I'm anxious to get them outside, but as we still haven't found the mink that did a lot of damage in our hen house uh, a month or so ago, I'm not too in a big hurry to get those babies outside. Um, 
And we've been experiencing some pretty cool days despite the fact that we are less than a month away from our last or our last frost date. Um, we're still experiencing low temperatures in the lower 20s some nights. Um, so, you know, it's all well and good to have them out there when it's nice. And of course we can use heat lamps. I still have them under a heat lamp in our basement currently because it's a bit on the cool side. But, you know, in the middle of the night that heat bulb dies or, you know, it gets knocked to the side and that bulb goes out and you don't know it. it you can go out the next day to do chores and come into something pretty horrific and that's not what we want. So I'll just keep the birds in the house and we'll deal with the, the fabulous odor of birds in the basement a little while longer despite, you know, cleaning them pretty regularly and that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's been nice to have those quail cages in the basement to be able to put chicks that have hatched out or, you know, if we get a bird that's a little weak outside, we can bring it in and keep it in there. Um, as I mentioned before, we still are running about two dozen quail in the basement. So, you know, we get quite a few quail eggs and it was nice that I have not bought eggs um, from the grocery store in over a year now. Um, typically, you know, we would produce enough eggs to keep us in eggs probably 10 months out of the year. Um, I freeze eggs to use for scrambled eggs in the winter time um, and some for baking, although I'm not a huge fan of using the frozen eggs for baking. Um, in a pinch, though, it works pretty good. Um, but typically around Easter, we've had to go buy a few dozen eggs. But this year with the quail eggs, we won't have to do that. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to dyeing some of those quail eggs with the kids. I think they'll be super adorable, those tiny little speckled quail eggs. Um, so that'll be kind of good fun. But keeping in the, in the basement has been, has been an adventure. Um, I enjoy hearing their little cooing noises um, at night and in the early mornings. But on occasion, uh, a kid might leave the, the door not latched. And boy, those quail will push out. My, my baby chicks, the chickens, haven't really done that. But those quail will push that door open and they'll just hop right out and run around my basement. And you'll get a nice surprise if you go to take a shower in the basement bathroom. Um, or, you know, I had some seedlings in some trays on a shelf in the basement bathroom as well. And a quail got in there and just totally decimated an entire tray of seedlings. Um, I think there will be a few survivors, but I don't know. The, that quail just ripped them all out. Didn't seem to really want to eat them, but just pulled all the seedlings right out of their little cells and just left them there on the side. And then I had some lettuce in another room of the basement growing in kind of the crack key style method. And yeah, they just ripped apart that lettuce, but left it there all on the floor. Didn't even eat it. So. You know, it'd be one thing if they got out and ate it all up because they were hungry, but just pulling it out is just almost torture for me. So that's the downside of the quails. That and, you know, if they don't get cleaned out pretty regularly, it can get a little odiferous. So I think I'll probably do it again, although I think I'm going to um, sex them before we bring them in the house in the winter. and you know, only keep one or two males in the house and the rest of the males can live the winter out outside and 
whatever comes of that comes of that so so something that I have on the agenda oh I did get um, onions in the ground this past weekend and I'm hopeful that this week I'm gonna get potatoes and peas and new for us this year some broad beans I'm hopeful that I'll be able to get those in the ground this week but some things I'm trying trying to do this year I'm having a couple different trials so I'm gonna attempt to plant all of my garden in 40 inch wide beds and 25 inch wide pathways now we'll see how that goes because as my husband told me over the weekend you know your plants always get about three times as big as you think they're going to so he's probably right but I've been reading a lot on intensive planting um, and you know likening that to the square foot gardening method um, and then a lot of succession planting that I'm I've been reading a lot about so I'm really excited to put those things into practice and um, you know typically we've had you know about 24 inch wide beds and then about uh, 40 inch wide pathways our thinking at that time was that you know we'd be able to run the tiller down those um, pathways keep the weeds down well like my husband said the plants always get bigger than I think they will and um, we never really were able to get the, that rototiller down the pathways so it just kind of seems like wasted space so I really think I only need the amount of space uh, that I need to walk through the garden I don't need big wide paths to be able to push a, a wheelbarrow down or anything like that because I never do those things maybe early in the season um, but on a side note you know we found that actually something better than a wheelbarrow is um, a sled like a heavy-duty deer sled like you use for hunting or something like that and then you can pile your produce in it it's very easy to pull it back up to the house or any garden supplies mulch uh, compost any of that kind of stuff it's pretty easy to pull on the sled and then you don't have to lift it very far off the ground um, to get it either on or off the sled so just as a side note that might be a good idea that you want to give a try but I'm hoping that these wider beds will allow me to do a little bit more uh, intensive planting kind of planting in blocks and be able to just kind of keep everything maybe a little bit more organized um, and hopefully get a lot more plants in a smaller area to be able to harvest more I really enjoyed my time last summer working at our local farmers market so I'm really hoping to be able to pack as many veggies as I can into our garden space to be able to um, sell those extras at the farmers market just because I enjoyed that so much another thing that I'm trialing this year is I'm gonna be planting some garlic here in the spring I've always planted my garlic in the fall somewhere between October and November but uh, I did I did do that this year um, unfortunately we had a cow get out and walk through my garlic patch um, and then we got this this new 10 month old puppy that he just likes to go in there and just roll in the dirt because it's been so dry he just wants to roll in that dust um, so it's taken out a few of my garlic plants honestly not as many as I thought as it's rained and and garlic has been popping up but 
more than I would like to see lost. So I'm gonna stick some garlic plants or some uh, garlic sets as well in and just see how they do. So I've got tons of garlic left over from last year. I was gonna plant the ones that have sprouted just cause they're not as good as tasty, but I don't think I wanna perpetuate the early sprouting in my storage. So I'm gonna go ahead and plant some of the ones that haven't sprouted yet. And then also, this happens every single year, I've found an area of garlic that somehow I missed harvesting last year. I don't know, you dig it up and you think you got everything, but there's always a few plants. So I'm gonna to try to really carefully um, dig those up and then just plant them in some of the gaps that my dog and cows have created for me. So it's kind of an unintended, unintended trial, but I'm gonna go forward with that anyhow. Something else that I'm trying out this year, uh, I have planted some multiplier onions and I always plant those in the fall. So that's gonna be no change. And then I also tried some shallots as well that I planted in the fall. So those should be um, the same as every year. But this year I'm trying planting onions from sets, onions from plants, and onion seedlings that I have started um, and multi-sown blocks in my basement. So we'll see how those three different onion planting methods compare. And hopefully one of them comes out to be a clear and obvious winner above the others. But in any event, I should definitely have some onions um, for this next year and next farmer's market season. So I will keep you updated on how those do. I've been watching a lot of Charles Dowding videos from the UK. Um, he's a UK market gardener that talks a lot about multi-sowing of seeds, you know, planting four or five onion seeds into one, uh, one seed cell in, in your trays and then planting out that whole block of onions. And then as they grow, the bigger ones kind of push the smaller ones apart and you harvest those bigger ones as you go and you leave the smaller ones in um, to grow larger. So I think that'll be an interesting uh, method to give a whirl this, this planting season. Um, the other thing that I'm trying out is I've tried starting peas as seedlings in my basement. We always have some early spikes in temperatures in May when it'll get up to 80 to 90 degrees outside and the peas do not love that. We get 60 to 70 mile an hour winds that accompany that typically that's blowing that in from the south um, and it always fries my pea plants. So I'm trying planting those indoors. They've been indoors for a few weeks now and I'm also going to plant seeds as I normally would, direct sown into the garden. So I'm hoping to get both of those out yet this week. It may rain tomorrow, so I'm going to see what I can get done yet tonight um, before hopefully that rain comes in. But over this past summer, uh, one of my daughters and I were out and about and we stopped at a garage sale. And it turned out that there were these siblings whose father had passed away and so they were having a garage sale to, to disperse some of his things. 
and he was a big avid gardener and I'm guessing somewhat of a homesteader himself and he had a ton of seedling trays and I think these are called root trainers perhaps um, they're very small and cylindrical and very deep seed cells um, and so there were a number of those in the things that I purchased there was also like a small greenhouse that's maybe more of kind of a cold frame that you would sit over top of your beds um, and so I purchased a, a number of those things from this family and I'm trying those with my uh, pea plants this year so I also am trying out broad beans for the first time fava beans um, I bought them before at the grocery store, but I believe they were just a little past their peak when I did. Um, but it's not a thing that you really get where we live. Um, they're not commonly grown. In fact, the seed is pretty difficult to come by in our area. And so we're just going to give it a try. It may get too hot too fast here um, for those, but we're going to go ahead and throw them in. And I did go ahead and and sprout those in my basement along with the pea plants. And gosh, those um, fava bean plants sure grow fast. Now, some of you are probably listening to this thinking, well, yeah, um, that you've had a lot of experience with them and it's a thing that you're used to planting, but it's new to us. And so I planted them the same day that I planted my peas and these pea plants, which are pod producing plants um, that I started in the house. And the pea plants are I would say four to five inches tall. The papa beans though are probably close to 12 inches tall so hopefully I haven't stunted them keeping in, them in the house as long as I have but it is what it is and we'll put them outside and and see what they do so that'll be interesting. Uh, my kids are, are pretty amicable to almost all vegetables so I think they'll they'll enjoy trying these giant beans they really like lima beans so hopefully they'll kind of kind of take to these assuming we get any pods that is so those are all of the things that we are testing out this year um, if you had anything interesting that you're testing out feel free to comment and let us know otherwise I, my drive is just about concluded here so I will let you enjoy the rest of your day and get outside and play in some dirt.